it's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast, your weekly breakdown of districts one and two in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey joined, as always, by Ryan Skaggs, uh, wearing your Boise State. Uh, is that a, just a T-shirt? It's a long sleeve shirt that has a hood. I don't know. It's super comfortable. So, Whoa, yeah. slick. You know, if you wear something like that, you have to go jog. That's the rule. Yeah, that or lift, but lift with like your hood up and like headphones on. <laughs> yeah, right. Like you're like you're filming an Under Armour commercial. Exactly. Right? Yeah, that's right. right. <laughs> All right. Well, if you if you want to see Ryan's hoodie, you can uh, check out the video version of this podcast at IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel or Facebook page. Audio only as well at IdahoSports.com and wherever you download your podcasts. All right, let's get into it. We have the first uh, championship event of the 22-23 school year. State golf last week over in East Idaho. The 5A competition was in Rexburg. The 4A competition was in Idaho Falls. We didn't have any team champions or individual champions, but we still had a lot of noteworthy finishes. Um, let, let's start on the boys' side of action where uh, the Coeur d'Alene boys end up taking third place. Eagle won the championship. Madison was two. Coeur d'Alene was three. The Vikings continue their strong golf tradition. Yeah, no, a great, a great showing by the Vikings, and I believe they had – either one or two golfers that finished in the top 10. So, um, you know, not a, not a bad showing, obviously that, you know, the championship team was, was paced by, I think the medalist, if I'm not mistaken too. So um, yeah, it was a, a good showing for Coeur d'Alene. I mean, and obviously great weather fall golf in Idaho is probably my favorite. It's better than spring cause it gets soggy. Um, so I think that, you know, statewide we lucked out uh, weather wise and hopefully they, they bring the uh, state tournament north one of these years because there's some amazing courses up here too. But um, yeah, Coeur boys with a decent showing there, third and then Lakeland had a, I believe had somebody finish. In, it was it Hannah that finished sixth, I think, in the in that state in the boys side at four A. Yeah, so so uh, I'll get you caught up here uh, for Coeur Lane, Trey Nip finished tied for eighth. Grant Potter took tenth. Um, in the individuals. And then Carson King of Lewiston was the highest individual from up north. He took seventh overall, uh, yeah. capping off an incredible uh, regular season and postseason for him. Uh, on the boys' side, uh, you did have uh, Brady Hanna of Lakeland. He took eighth place. Eighth place. There we go. Okay. So um, that, that 5A boys um, individual championship came down to a kid from Madison and a kid from Eagle. Wheaton Ennis won the state title as a freshman, took second last year as a sophomore. He was one of the favorites going in. He and Ashton MacArthur from Madison were were back and forth on, on that second day on Saturday. I'm going to share my screen real quick. This isn't North Idaho related, but this is so cool that I had I had to share this. I'm sharing this on all the podcasts this week. Um, this is Easton, uh, or excuse me, Ashton MacArthur from Madison. And again, if you're watching the video version of this at IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel or Facebook page, make your screen full size so you can see this. Okay, this is Ashton MacArthur celebrating his championship win, getting a hug in. This is all on his Instagram account. So if you're listening audio only, you can find him at Ashton MacArthur 5 on Instagram. Here he is signing the green after his championship win. And this is the putt that won it. This was a 30-foot putt to win by one stroke <laughs> over Wheaton Ennis of Eagle. Check this out, Ryan. Look at the bend on that. Buries it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and then here, here comes the best part. Ready for it? Oh, the chest bump. <laughs> that's awesome. Man, that's a dandy of a putt. Holy cow. 
Yeah, dude, that's nails, isn't it? Oh, a 30 foot putt. Wow. To, yeah, that's to a win. That's clutch. Yeah, to win the 5 8 title. That is like so awesome. I had to share that, even though it's a kit from Madison. I think all the North Idaho fans will enjoy seeing that. Um, so, yeah, we had some good performances on the boys' side. On the girls' side, um, Molly uh, Sibley of Lewiston ha- had such a great uh, season. She ends up taking sixth place overall. Um, she was the only uh, North Idaho girl to finish in the top 10. And then on the 4A girls' side, Sandpoint takes third overall. Twin Falls wins the title, BK second, Sandpoint third. Wasn't the medalist to the girls 4A, she won by like 16 strokes? Yes, and she led all golfers, 5A, 4A, boys, girls, doesn't matter. She had 15 birdies. Yeah, that's an insane round. Ava Schroeder from Twin Falls, and, and check this out, Ryan. She also plays soccer at Twin Falls as well for the defending 4A champs. So she could be double dipping in the championships this fall. How cool would that be? That'd be, that'd be pretty impressive. That's a, that's a nice showing there too. That's a, that's a, I saw that score and that stood out. I was like, wait, wait, hold on a second. Like that's not a, that's not a normal, you know, golf score that we see every day. <laughs> I mean, even if you're watching like pro-ams, you don't see usually that with that many birdies too. Yeah, it was pretty crazy for sure. Um, North Idaho finishers in the top 10. You had Taylor Meyer from Sandpoint. Uh, she finished tied for seventh overall. And then the Bulldogs really filled in in the teens and the 20s um, to help you know carry them to that third place finish. So golf season is in the books. Congrats to all of the great individual golfers and teams that had uh, successful years. And then, of course, we still have 3A golf coming up this spring where uh, Kellogg, Bonners Ferry, they're going to be kind of the favorites again. St. Mary's is always pretty good as well. So look, look out for uh, for our friends over at Genesis Prep too. They've got a couple decent golfers on their in their program too. They're going to be they were young last year. They're going to be good this year too. <laughs> Genesis Prep is eternally young in everything. They just, right? just <laughs> it's a running joke. It's like oh they're young this year. It's like well what happens to everybody if they're always young? So like they found the fountain age view though they're there in post falls. <laughs> right? Yeah, we 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 joke about that a lot here on on the podcast for sure. Uh, all right, let's transition to district soccer. Let's get caught up on what's going on on the pitch, as they say. Again, I'm going to share my screen so you can. Uh, follow along with all the brackets uh, on the video version of this podcast make your screen full size so you can see the brackets a little more clearly if you're listening audio only don't worry you're in luck we've got all the district brackets at our website idahosports.com boys and girls not just up north but districts from all around the state so you can follow all of the teams um, everywhere so let's go ahead and uh, I'll, I'll share my screen Let's start on the girls' side of action, and let's start with uh, District uh, 1-2 for 5A, the Inland Empire League, because this is where a bid has actually already been locked up. The Lake City Timberwolves are back, and they are they are out for blood after being disrespected statewide all year long. Here are the Timberwolves. You know, we made a little faux pas last week. I was going to say, you owe an apology to them, too. I do. Um <laughs> So I'll take you a little bit behind the scenes here at idahosports.com. Um, what I do here, you know, podcasting is really like 10% of the job. The other 90% is like stuff on the website, like, you know, refreshing the page and putting in the scores and schedules and all that stuff. And um, lately, uh, my boss, Paul Kingsbury, and I have been trading off, you know, who puts in scores on on what day. And he was in charge of the scores for that particular night. And he put in the halftime score of that Sandpoint <laughs> Lake City game. And Sandpoint was leading one to nothing at halftime. And so that's what I saw. 
and that's my bad. I need to double check stuff, certainly. Um, <laughs> but but Lake City ended up winning that match three one. So yeah, we they are still the un- still unbeaten. <laughs> we went off the air, and I got blown up. <laughs> a couple of different people like, no, 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 not so fast. Like Lake City ended up winning that match. That was halftime, and I'm like, okay, like sorry. Um, but yeah, no, that the Lake City girls are man, they're they're solid. Um, I don't know how quietly you can go into a state tournament as a defending champ and not get the attention. And I think that's the way they want it, though, is that they're going to go in there like silent assassins uh, into the state tournament again. And uh, I like I like their team a lot. I really do. I think that they've got, um, you know, great offense. They, they really attack well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how things kind of play out. I know that the Boise schools get a ton of attention, but Lake City's, you know, sitting there to defending champ. So I'm going to go ahead and ride that wave through the state tournament. Yeah, they just get no acclaim whatsoever. Uh, Lake City defeats Coeur d'Alene 5-1 last night in the district championship match. And now for Coeur d'Alene, they've got a play-in match against Centennial, the fifth-place team from District 3. I'll tell you, you know, Centennial is not bad. They beat Rocky Mountain early on in the season in, a, in what was a non-conference game down there. Um, you know, Coeur has got the advantage in terms of the matches in Lewiston, so they've got a shorter distance to go, although... You know, it's not by that much. Um, This is going to be, I'll admit, uh, this will be a tough matchup for the Vikings. They're certainly capable of winning, but this is also a centennial team that's that's pretty decent. So, yeah, yeah, no, I'm the centennial team, I think, is a little more. I don't want to say battle tested, but I I don't want to sell out or sell short quarter lane in soccer. But I think that, you know, it's a tall task to draw that in a play in game. You get one chance to see each other and um you know that's kind of how things go it'll be interesting to see how things turn up but uh i mean obviously we know what lake city brings to the table um quarterling girls have had it had a decent season i think that i don't want to say they've been underwhelming but um they've just had a darn tough schedule too i mean you look at some of the quality of programs up here in north idaho it's it's really tough to to run the table especially if you go outside of conference and schedule some of those washington schools are really good too um so it'll be, uh, I think it'd be a good match on Saturday for him and a chance to make it into the state tournament. And the key match for Coeur d'Alene really came in the first round over Lewiston, right? The two sides had split in the regular season. It was the yep. two versus the three, and Coeur d'Alene gets that one nothing win over Lewiston to advance to the district title match, and the Bengals season comes to an end. Um, two really good teams. It was a shame somebody had to lose there. Um, yep. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Coeur d'Alene in the play-in match against Centennial, um on saturday and then i wanted to check as well the um you know because the tournament is now seated according to regular season max preps rating so to real quick though to tell you how good lake city is they they had a, a monstrous win over gonzaga prep um earlier a couple weeks ago yeah that gonzaga prep team um has only you know one other loss in the state of washington <laughs> so uh, that's how good Lake City is. Let's, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, they go quietly, but they're not getting a ton of attention. That Gonzaga prep team is ranked in the top five in the state of Washington. That's 64A schools. Yes. Uh, and I will tell you that Lake City will be the number one seed at the 5A girls state soccer tournament. They have the best max preps rating in the regular season. Um, so Lake City will be the number one seed. 
um, that has served them well at times, right? They were, uh, but, but, but last year, especially I, I remember in boys basketball, Lake city was the number one overall seed and that did, that did not go well for them. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's tricky sometimes being that number one overall seed, but, uh, congrats to the Lake city girls. They will be the one seed at state for girls soccer. Uh, let's move to boys district, uh, one, two action. The district match is actually, Today, Ryan, we're recording this on Wednesday, October 12th. Uh, the district uh, title match will be later today at 3.30, one versus two, Coeur d'Alene against Lake City. Both pretty much had an easy time in the opening round. The winner will advance to state. The loser will have to play the, the uh, fifth place team from District 3. And I would give, you know, whoever it is, Coeur d'Alene or Lake City, I give them a much better chance uh, of advancing on the boys' side, you know the the SIC is not as strong in boys' soccer this year. Yeah, no, I like. Uh, I mean, obviously, Coeur the one seed going into that game, um, but they've. I mean, they've played tough throughout the year, so it's it's you know you you play a team so many times, it's you know law of averages. You know, can you can you catch them on a on a night where Lake City comes in and pulls the quote unquote upset? But um, I like both of these teams' chances at state. Um, I like, you know, the play in game opportunity, like you said, um, either of these teams, if they end up playing, you know, on Saturday, I think that they get the win there um, and they can make some, both these teams can make some noise in the state tournament. Definitely. So we'll keep an eye on that. And um, next week, Ryan, we'll be doing a, a live state tournament preview show. We, we like to do this ahead of state where uh, we go live on, uh, you know, it's an episode of the podcast, but we also go live on IdahoSports.com's YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter, where we interact with the fans. We'll, we'll take your comments, questions, shout outs to your favorite teams. Uh, I'm going to bring on Christian Wiener from uh, up in, in your neck of the woods up north. Uh, he, he lives in Bonners Ferry. He's been writing the weekend preview for us all season long. He's really plugged into what's been going on state wide in soccer so christian and i are going to be breaking down the brackets uh tuesday night seven o'clock mountain six o'clock pacific time for the fans up north um, and we're going to break down all the state tournament brackets for boys and girls soccer um if you can't be there live i'll also drop this into the north idaho Prepcast podcast feed so that's where you're going to get your soccer content next week with the live preview show but it should be a lot of fun sweet sounds great Yep. So that's one last thing. Uh, I'm taking off your plate, Ryan. You should be thanking me. <laughs> man of many hats. Yes. Uh, yes, for sure. Um, yes, and, and, we do play-by-play volleyball. We're going to have some struggles, but <laughs> right. Um, so, but we'll obviously talk about you know who won the match and and who advanced and all that stuff during the state soccer um, preview show next week. Let's move to 4A on the girls' side. Moscow defeats Lakeland last night, five nothing. They will play Sandpoint in the district championship tomorrow, Thursday at 3.30. Uh, we wouldn't have it any other way, would we, Ryan? Moscow, Sandpoint? It's just like it I was mean, last year. That's right. And uh, hopefully Sandpoint's hoping for a different result than what happened last year. Um, I think it's a little bit more evenly matched going into this this affair this year. But, um, you know, we all know that Moscow surprised Sandpoint last year. Um I think, you know, battle plan for the Bulldogs is this come in and take care, you know, do what they do best. And that's, you know, play stingy on defense and then offensively get their opportunities. And I think it's going to be a great match. I'm not going to pick a winner because I really feel that this, you know, I don't want to say anything's 50 50. This, I think the slight edge goes to the Bulldogs, but Moscow comes in obviously with history on their side too. So it'll be an interesting, uh, interesting game. 
And we talked about Sandpoint swept the regular season series, but they were tight. They were both one goal wins Mm -hmm. for the Bulldogs. It is really a shame that both of these teams can't go to state, Ryan, because when you look at the Max Preps rankings for the regular season, Sandpoint was third overall. Mm -hmm. Moscow was number one. If Moscow wins this match, they're the one seeded state. You're talking about, you know, if Sandpoint completes the the trifecta and and gets the, here I am going to curse Sandpoint again. If if, if Sandpoint defeats Moscow, you're talking about the number one seed being at home for state. And that's what happened last year. Sandpoint was the number one team in max preps and didn't make it. Well, that's just the, I mean, that just tells you how good that schedule is with the playing those five. I mean, it really benefits the five, the four A schools playing all of those five A schools in the IEL. Um, you know, there's, a, I think, a huge benefit to that. But, you know, obviously we talk about what it does to the five A schools. It kind of penalizes them a little bit, doesn't do them any favors. But, you know, competitive wise, the balance is there between all those programs. I mean, really, there's the, the outliers like Lakeland, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think a really competitive game. I mean, Moscow, if they get, to, if they pull off the victory and get the number one seed, I mean, I can't think of a better story, you know, after what's gone on there for like the last couple of weeks in Moscow, um, going into that state tournament. I mean, that's huge. I mean, they played competitive against all the five, a schools. So, you know, the bears aren't a bad team by any, by any means. Yeah, I'll, I'll add one distinction to your point about it benefits the 4A schools to play those 5A IEL schools. It only benefits them if they win. And Sandpoint, Sandpoint and Moscow racked up a lot of 5A wins this year in girls' soccer, so yep. yeah, that's yeah. where it helped them. Yeah. The likes of playing, you know, they played really well against Lewiston and Post Falls, so yes, yeah, it uh, it helps to get at least you got, you got two victories apiece against each of those teams, so that uh, yes. does you some favors. Definitely bankroll some wins there. Yep. Uh, Boys side district one, two Um, Moscow defeats Lakeland five to one on Monday district championship is today. Ryan, as we're recording this Mm -hmm. standpoint, the one seed Moscow, the two seed. I think this one is not as tight as on the girls side. You know, I I like standpoint quite a bit. I like standpoint a lot. They're a really good team. I think outside of, you know, I mean, they're, they're even with Lake city as far as I think talent wise. Um, they would have been, I think, number two in the five A side of IEL. So, it's uh, yeah, I think the Sandpoint team's really, really good. And you know, you look at record wise, um, you know, they're right there with with the Cordellanes and the Lake City. So, this should be a really competitive game. And I like the Bulldogs' chances at state. They've got a really talented lineup. Um, it should should bode pretty well for for the Bulldogs if they can get the victory today. Yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch. There were two teams in 4A boys soccer that went undefeated or unbeaten in the regular season. Sandpoint with uh, three draws, but no losses. And Caldwell, who's always a strong program, uh, one draw and no losses for Caldwell. But Sandpoint edges out the Cougars. Caldwell is two in the max preps ratings. Sandpoint one. So Sandpoint wins. They're the one seed at state. That's a big draw too, because you get on the opposite side when that happens, and that's that does you some favors as far as you know seeing what shakes out from Eastern Idaho too um, on your on your draw as far as seeding goes in the bracket. That's a that's a big deal to get that number one seed. Definitely. Uh, how good is Caldwell? Um, they have so many boys soccer players. Their football team is in shambles, right? They can't even yeah. compete in the SIC. They're an independent team, but they had an, so many boys soccer players. They had two full JV squads. They had a JV one and a JV two this year. That's how insanity. crazy is that? That's yeah. insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's high school, but yeah. I yeah. mean, granted, they have like fourteen hundred enrollment, but yeah, yeah, they're a five A school. Make no mistake about yep. that. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah, enrollment wise, they're five A. 
for yes. sure. All right. Uh, and finally, let's get to the Intermountain League, the IML. Oh, boy. We've got some good action heating up here. Let's start on the girls' side um, where, you know, the opening round was on Monday. Bonners Ferry, the three seed, beats Grangeville, the six seed, pretty easily. Look at this other first-round matchup right here. Priest River and St. Mary's. The game is 0-0 through regulation, the first overtime, the second overtime, and then it finally goes to penalty kicks. Priest River wins 4-3 on PKs and advances to the semifinals. That's just heartbreaking for St. Mary's that they were right there, but that's yep. the way it goes. So now you've got the semifinals on Friday. Coeur d'Alene Charter, the one seed, will play Priest River. The four seed, Timberlake, the two seed, will take on Bonners Ferry, the three seed. And then the winners will play on Saturday in the championship. Um, two spots to state. So whoever wins these two uh, semifinal matchups uh, clinch their bids at state. Yeah, but you want to keep getting those victories, obviously, because you want the higher seed at state. But um, no, I think there's a lot of competitive balance there. You look at the top. Well, we we know what Coeur Charter is, obviously. Um, they're a buzzsaw. So it's kind of the de facto. I look at the other side of the bracket, Bonners Ferry and Timberlake. I think it's fitting that they're playing each other because um, really the, there's they're pretty balanced between the two programs. Um, you know, Timberlake's having a great year, too. So um you know, edge tigers there, but I mean, you know, who's going to be able to make come out of that game and then actually make some noise at state, obviously earning that second automatic bid. Um, Cordline charter. I'm looking at them and it's like, they're on a mission. Um, they're playing kind of, I don't know, like they're, they're angry at the world, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, and it's going to set up for some great matches at state too, because there's some, some definitely very talented three, a teams at state um, in a very competitive girls bracket. Yeah, you know, I, I think when you talk about soccer coaches in the state of Idaho, I think the two that come to mind to me immediately as like the best among their peers are both at the 3A level. Richard Whitelaw at Sun Valley Community School, but also Stacy Smith at Coeur d'Alene Charter. She does yep. such an incredible job um, with the Panthers year in, year out. Max Prep's rankings. There were three teams in 3A girls soccer that went undefeated in the regular season. Sugar Salem, Coeur d'Alene Charter, and the cutthroats of Sun Valley, who had one draw but but no losses. Um, they are seated in that order. Sugar Salem, one. Coeur d'Alene Charter, two. Sun Valley, three. So Coeur d'Alene Charter would be the two seed overall if they got to state on the same side as the cutthroats, I mean, potentially. Let's look at Coeur d'Alene soccer and the state of that. I mean, look at the programs and what they're able to do on the girls' side between – you know, the Lake City girls, you've got Coeur d'Alene Charter girls. Coeur d'Alene's competitive, too. I mean, there is a – you mean, you talk about a full, like, basket of just, you know, solid players. They're they're there, and it's it kind of spreads out. Um, you know, it's a, it's something to keep your eye on for years to come because that, that youth program is so strong up here. Um, but, yeah, that's just something that kind of sticks out. It's like, oh, yeah, Lake City's good. And then you're like, wait, Coeur d'Alene Charter's really good, too. I mean, it kind of tells you that the, the competitive balance – um, up north as far as the youth level is, is insane. Yeah, and uh, I think the facilities play a big part in that too. Best facilities by far in the state are up north for, for soccer. So yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And then this is really the intriguing one because this is kind of a free-for-all, Ryan. The boys' side of the bracket. It did <laughs> it did it did go chalk in the first round where Cordelaine Charter the four seed beat St. Mary's the five seed, Orofino the three seed beat Priest River the six seed. Bonners Ferry, the two seed, beat Grangeville, the seven seed. But now we've got this final four where it's Timberlake, the one seed against Coeur d'Alene Charter, the four, and then the two-three matchup between Bonners Ferry and Orofino. I don't know. 
throw the throw the team names into a hat and see what yeah. comes out. I mean, I I think Timberlake gets the win over Cordelaine Charter, um, but that I mean, it's going to be a close match. And then you know, predicting the other side, gosh, it's yeah. I mean, you could you really realistically could put all four teams in a hat and draw, and that's the way it goes. Like you just don't know on this one. Um, I think the the edge obviously goes to the Tigers a little bit on this side, but. Um, Bonner's Ferries had a good season too. I mean, they're a team to watch. Orfino's playing playing hot down the stretch. So, you know, it's kind of like take your pick there in that game. Um, and I think either team gives gives, I mean, it's gonna be it could be four three coming out of this. I mean, realistically, let's be real. Um, that's just how balanced the IML was this year at the three A level. Yeah. So, and again, this is why I say you throw them in a hat because yeah. Timberlake did beat Quarter Lane Charter in the first matchup of the year in August, four to one, but then they tied one, one on September 21st. So they, they, yeah. they battled to a draw. So, and then you look at, you know, the other matchup Bonners Ferry and Orofino, they played twice this year as well. Uh, Bonners Ferry got a two, nothing win over Orofino and then a, an, an identical two, nothing win over Orofino. So, um, but the maniacs you talked about have, have really picked up some steam here as, as they've gone in. So I don't know. This is going to be wide open. It wouldn't shock me to see any of these teams win on Friday. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And, and they're all playing on turf too. So I think that's going to add to, you know, who's going to, the team speed's going to come into play now. It's like when you're on an even surface, um, it's going to, it's going to make things interesting. I think who has the, the athletes, I think is where it's really going to show up now. It could go to goalkeeping. Yeah, definitely. So um, Bonner's Ferry um, has a lot of experienced players that uh, are hungry to get to state. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. All right. Uh, let, let's talk volleyball real quick. Ryan, you wanted to touch on the White Pine League. In, uh, yeah, he wants to win it other than I mean, we look at Troy. Obviously, they've only got one loss on the year, but I think you've got three other teams now with the, at least 10 wins um, kind of jumbled at the top of that conference between Logos, Genesee, Potlatch. Are all right there, so it's that's an interesting. I mean, they've been. I mean, it's it's all like kind of like drawn straws. Who wins on a given night? Too, it's just really weird how they've been playing. But it shows obviously how competitive the conference is. Um, I mean, you look at D one or one A D one up here. I mean, Wallace is right there again. Um, you know, they're they're kind of floating around on the outside. Obviously, we're looking at the auto bids now too this year. So uh, makes things interesting on the volleyball side. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you look at Lakeland's already clinched, but they, even though they lost to Moscow the other night, they're still the number one seed to districts. Um, the five A side, we know what Lake City's been doing; they've been competitive, and you know, Post Falls is good too. Coeur kind of right there as well, um, as far as the top three go at five A. So it should be an interesting district tournament coming up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick, the representation for volleyball this year: five A gets one and a half bids, so second place will will have a chance to. Uh, get in via a play-in match against uh, a team from Boise. 4A gets one, you know, just the one district champ. You know, we think that's going to be Lakeland. Which is tough because Moscow's been playing good. That's the right. problem. Like, I mean, they they could deserve a way. You know, I wish you could see him play a playing game too, but, you know, that's not how it works. But go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. 3A, it's just it's just Bonners Ferry and Timberlake. Yep. Um, one bid, something would really have to go wrong for Bonners Ferry not to get that that slot to state um they've been playing so well um like 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 uh an upset we would have to chronicle in detail you know yeah. it's not anything against timberlake there's just been a, it's been a rough season for the tigers in in volleyball certainly two way gets one and a half bids um 
you know, St. Mary's. St. Mary's is good. <laughs> yes. They, they're so good in girls' sports. Um, you yeah. know, softball is always really good. Um, basketball, they're always competitive. Volleyball, no exception. Um, Grangeville, Orofino, kind of the next two best. And, and, you know, Kellogg's right there in the mix as well. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that, sec- that half bid could go to any of those teams. It wouldn't surprise me. White Pine League or, or 1AD1, District 1, the champion gets its own bid to state. No play-in game this year. What a novel yeah. concept. Um, we, we like Genesis Prep, right? We like G-Prep. Yeah, I mean, but they, yeah, I mean, but they've been playing, been played tough too. I mean, that's the, the thing that we're looking at. I mean, Wallace has played them tough. So, um, I mean, I still lean to the Jags getting in and getting that bid, but it wouldn't surprise me if the miners show up. It really wouldn't. The White Pine League, we talked about all those great teams, right? Troy is 14 and one, Potlatch 13 and four, Genesee 11 and three, Logos 10 and five. Um, only two teams get to go to state yeah. from this district. That's it. So it, it's, a, it's a true where uh, you can lose and still challenge through the back door and challenge for that second spot. So that, that's yep. going to be compelling volleyball. Uh, I believe that's at Lewis and Clark State. Um, yeah, LCSC in the activity center. Yeah. yeah, that's where the White Pine's going to be at for, for D1. And then at the 1A D2 level, um, it's the same. District 1 gets the one uh, bid. You know, it looks like Clark Fork, certainly. The Wampus Cats, after miss, just missing out last year, are going to be back at state. And then two bids from the White Pine League because there's six teams competing. We like Kendrick. Uh, I'm I'm not really sure who gets that second bid. You know, the, uh, everybody's looked good at like times this year. Deary gets the Deary. second bid. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, Nez Purse is always sneaky. I know um, St. John Bosco started hot. They've kind of hit a lull, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be some really compelling volleyball down the stretch, and we'll look at volleyball district brackets on next week's edition of the PrepCast. Um, all right, let's wrap up with football, where, uh, again, fans at IdahoSports.com, if you go to the homepage right now, I've updated my latest bubble watch. Uh, I've, I've got lots of emails like, hey, when are you going to come out with the new bubble watch? I was like, it takes time, you know? I. It, you know, it's like 3000 words I'm writing. So, you know, it's not something I can produce overnight, but it's up on the site. Now, um, the big story is in five, a football post falls with that 42 to 35 win over Lewiston. That's huge. Takes Man, that's a big. huge step forward. You know, they've got a tough game Friday night against Coeur d'Alene. Um, Coeur d'Alene's defense is, you know, one of the best units I think in five, a, but, um, I mean, their offense is, is finding some struggles, that's for sure. Special teams and, and defense for Coeur d'Alene has kept them in a ton of ball games this year. Um, it, post-fall, it's weird because I the last game I had them, they lose to Lakeland, um, where you know Isaac McCown, the quarterback, struggled the whole night, but Bustamante went off for over 200 yards rushing um, in a loss. And so we see them come back and bounce back and beat Lewiston, who I picked as the IEL 5A favorite. I mean, I still really like the Bengals, um, but winning that game, I mean, but and it, the thing I think that gets overlooked is how good Post Falls defense is, especially their pass rush. You know, I was pulling some stats last night because I'm starting to compile my my de facto list for all North Idaho football and everything. One thing that stood out to me um, was Trevor Miller, the defensive end for Post Falls, has like 34 tackles on the year, but he's got 39 quarterback hurries on the season so far, and he's got six sacks. Um, so you look at him at defensive end, and he's just an absolute nightmare. And that's the thing I go back, and I'm like, yeah, every time Lakeland passed the ball, they, he got, they got sacked in that game four times against Post Falls. They only had nine passing attempts. 
I mean, so like that tells you like, the, okay, the post falls defensive line, they reach home, um, you know, and they're decent in the secondary in the back end. Dylan Wolf's a really good corner. They got a couple other guys back there as well that play really tough. And then Cole Cripps at middle linebackers got over 70 tackles this year already. Um, that post falls team. I mean, defensively, I think is just really, really under the radar. Um, how good that defense is. And if, if their quarterback's on, and they can get the running game behind it with with Bustamante. They're a really, really good team. Um, and they showed it beating, obviously, Lewiston on Friday night. And that was a back-and-forth affair, too. But it wasn't close for a while. Lewiston made it close late. Yeah, and now uh, with the latest projections, Lewiston would be out of the playoffs if the playoffs started today, which is just crazy to think about. Um, Coeur d'Alene and Post Falls play Friday night on IdahoSports.com, so you'll definitely want to tune into that, Ryan. You're going to be on the call of that game. Um, winner of that will be in the driver's seat for the regular season title. Um, the Vikings we talked about, they need to get one of those two auto bids. They just don't have enough 5-8 wins to get an at-large slot. So the Vikings got to play well these last two games against Post Falls and Lewiston. Um the Trojans are in the best spot, right? They've got enough for sure. 5A wins bankroll that they could get an at-large bid. And for Lewiston right now, they kind of need to get the auto bid as well because they are uh, 500 in terms of their their wins against 5A opponents. They're 2-2. They're two and two. They've got the wins over Capital and Clarkston and then the losses at the Rocky Mountain Rumble and, of course, to Post Falls. Now, the problem well, Clarkson's is... Clarkson's a small school. I don't know if that's helping their rankings at all. Clarkson's only got an enrollment of 800, so... I don't know if that's going to get them a four A or maybe yeah maybe it was Pendleton. I was like I, yeah, it was Pendleton's one of the, got the five A. Yeah, Pendleton has the five A enrollment size. But. Yeah, that, that's what it was. Um, so but 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 the the I guess what it comes down to is is Lewiston could get help if uh, Rigby takes the second auto bid from the East right now. Just on you know the standings, Rigby would would grab it at large bid. But if Rigby and Highland can squeeze out Madison, then Lewiston leapfrogs Madison for, for that at-large spot. So, there, I mean, there's still a path for Lewiston to get there. The easiest way, of course, is to just win. Um, but, it, you know, they could get some help from those teams in the East and still get a spot. I mean, Lewiston's got a good defense. Um, I don't know what was going on in that game. with post I mean, post falls just gives people headaches offensively because they play so fast-paced. Um, you know, that if they're on and they're able to move the ball, they're really it's really tough to, to scheme them because they're multiple. Um but also they run no huddle. So, I mean, like they're, they're, if they're, if you're not getting the ball from them, you're not forcing them to go three and out. Uh, you're, you're going to start pulling your hair out defensively against post falls. Um, you know, the Bengals on the back end are really good in the secondary. Um, they're good up front. It's been the, the linebacking course kind of been like they're, you know, if they're getting post falls offensive line, I think is deceptively good. Um, they're not going to wow you getting off the bus, but they just get good clean blocks, especially in the zone scheme. You know, so I look, it comes down to Lewis. And I mean, Drew Hottinger's had a great season. Um, he's got some weapons around him between James White and you look at like Jelinek and some of the other kids that are out there as well. There's guys that you have to account for on every play. Um, and then Lathan, the running back's been serviceable too. He's been pretty dang good. So it'll be, uh, I like Lewiston still a lot more than Coeur d'Alene. Uh, Coeur d'Alene, I think, has net to really show me much on offense. Their defense has shown a ton. Shea Robertson is having a monster season at Mike Linebacker. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, you know, DeGraw's doing really great up front on the on, at defensive end, too. So, um, but that, you know, when you look at the back end, they've got 12 team interceptions for Coeur d'Alene. So, like, defensively, we know they're fine. Um, but what can they get put together offensively? And that's where the struggles have really been for the Vikings. So um, I still like 
you know, post falls, I think, you know, I can't pick a game that I'm going to be calling this weekend. I don't really know if I really want to do that because uh, I don't want to show favoritism. Right. Um, but let's just say if post falls runs the table, I think they're going to be sitting pretty good. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's a win in your end game this week between quarter and post falls. If quarter can get the victory, I think that's enough to get them over the hump. Um, but that's, they still have to beat the Bengals and we could be looking at another tiebreaker two years in a row. Uh, yeah, that'd be crazy. Um, I just I never count out Coach Sean Amos. Uh, I know he's a wizard, man. God, he's so good. <laughs> it's it's just it's hard. But but I agree with you. You know, when I look at the eye test, I I've seen Lewiston in person this year. I've seen Cordellane in person this year. I've done a game each uh, of theirs. Um, I haven't seen Post Falls in person, but I've went back to watch the film. And to me, it's it's yeah, Post Falls, Lewiston, and then Cordellane third. But again. Coach Amos always does a great job. So that's going to be fascinating. 4A, Sandpoint wins the big matchup with Lakeland, and they win it pretty easily. And now yeah. Sandpoint, you know, they're both going to get in the playoffs, but the difference is, is Sandpoint's going to get a top eight seed. Lakeland is going to get a bottom eight seed um, is the way it's working this year. So Lakeland yeah. will have to hit the road for the playoffs. Yeah, and that's, you know, unfortunate. I mean, for a season, the Hawks have been so good. But, man, hats off to, to Coach Knowles. That scheme Friday night, I mean, it looked like Lakeland was going to, they came out with their hair on fire and just went right down their throat. I mean, opening drive, they went, you know, 76 yards for a touch, like just right down the field with one yard score by Lautzenheiser. And I'm like, oh, Lakeland's here. All right. And then they get the turnover right away. And I'm like, oh, this isn't good for Sandpoint. You know, it's like kind of disaster. Um, they got the stop there. And, you know, Brandon Fury and I, who were on the call, you know, kind of said, like, if Lakeland gets the score, I think this it seems weird that that's going to be such an early hinge point in the ball game. But if Sandpoint can get the stop, I think the Bulldogs could come back. We haven't seen them on offense yet. And Parker Pettit was just – he was a machine on Friday night. I mean, you just watched him and it was like – you know, I looked at him like, yeah, this is the best player in North Idaho. Like, just watching what he did. And and there, that's no slight to John Cornish because Cornish is an insane player. And he got hurt, came back, and still rushed for over 140 yards. Um, he I mean he went out with a knee injury. He was out for three series, came back taped up and still ran. I mean, that's how good he is. Uh, but Parker was just, um, I mean, masterful. Like there was, he, I don't want to say anybody ever plays a flawless game, but you know, his incompletions, the, the few that he had, they were drops. They weren't like, they I mean, they were on the money. There was nothing he really missed. Um, but standpoint, just, I don't want to say that they played just to top to bottom. They won every facet of the game. And now big picture, you look at the five district champs get the top five seeds automatically. And then the, or excuse me, the, um, all of the auto bid teams, um, you know, receive the, the top eight, eight seeds. So the way it would work right now is Sandpoint would be the three seed overall, which is a pretty good setup for them. You know, yeah. uh, they were the, what, what were they last year? The two seed, right? They were the one seed last year. Okay. Yeah. They were the top seed going into state. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's crazy to think about. So yes, um, and now as I'm looking at this, it's actually just changed again. Where Sandpoint would now be the two seed. <laughs> so <laughs> I've got to I've got to update my my post because all of a sudden now Sandpoint well, is. That's the what two- I said. Losing that game to Colville actually de facto like kind of helped them. Oh um, no! Wait, wait, wait. That was last year. Sorry, I wasn't. Yeah, sorry. Last okay. I was, no. I was gonna say that that game losing that game to Colville almost helped them in the rankings, in my opinion, because Colville's enrollment size is so small and they're not having the greatest season. It, it probably actually didn't hurt them not having that game um, instead of actually playing it, even if they had won. 
but yes. Okay. So yes. So the way, the way it would work right now is Sandpoint would be the three seed. Uh, Skyline is two. Bishop Kelly is one. I'm just not sure that Sandpoint's going to be able to leapfrog either of those two teams. So Sandpoint pretty much locked in as that three seed. They've got um, Moscow Friday, you know, and that's, but we kind of know the result. The, the, the interesting part of it was we, we know that the 20 point victory matters, right? 20 points or more. And they kept, at the end, they ended up going for the touchdown instead of just kind of coasting in. They ended up getting the score, um, and I think that was a smart move on coach's part. To if they still have that rule in, I don't know, if, but at least from what I remember of the Max Preps rankings, twenty point wins counted for something. I, I believe it's. I think fifteen is the max. Fifteen. Okay. Well, they can. went in and they punched in the touchdown with like a minute and a half left to kind of coast on that one. For sure. Lakeland is seventh overall in the max preps ratings right now. But like we said, the top eight automatically go to the eight auto bids and there's only one auto bid from up north. So Lakeland gets pushed down into the bottom um, where Lakeland uh, would be the 11 seed right now. So the matchups would be uh, Sandpoint, the three seed hosting Hillcrest, the 14 seed. We like Sandpoint there. Lakeland yeah. is the 11 seed would go to Twin Falls, the six seed. I like Lakeland. In that I like matchup. Lakeland. Absolutely. And and then that would set up, guess what? In the quarterfinals, Lakeland at Sandpoint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, but at the same time, I like Lakeland getting a victory there against against Twin. I think that if that happened this week, I mean, I'd take the Hawks. Obviously, the health of, of Cornish is the question mark. Calder's back at full strength. But the one thing about, about Lakeland is that, you know, the passing game, they just can't seem to get much going in that scheme and that's they become one-dimensional really quickly if you know and if the running game's off a little bit they struggle but luckily they've got one of the better offensive un line units in north idaho definitely and for the moment big picture it looks like sandpoint and skyline would be on the same side of the bracket with sandpoint having to travel to probably holt arena uh for a possible semi-final showdown rematch of the championship game from last year 3a uh you know I, it's been long enough i've neglected bonner's ferry long enough this team is right real. they are <laughs> i mean say the last time, they're still undefeated like and then they go and shut out kellogg come on i mean that's like one of the most potent offenses in the state so I went back and watched the film of that Bonner's Ferry is so good at, at the power rush game. You know, they line up in essentially what looks like an eye formation. Um, they've got a kind of a lead blocker. Uh, they run the ball. They control the clock. They just they're really solid. Fundamentally, yeah. Blake Rice does a tremendous job, you know, piloting the offensive quarterback. Um, you know, I got an email last week from Cal Bateman, our good friend Cal up there in uh, <laughs> in Bonner's Ferry. He, he said, you know, I, I was looking at your bubble watch post and. You know, right now I've got Timberlake into the playoffs as well as an at-large team. He said, do you really think both teams uh, from up north are going to get in? Because I, I think, you know, fans are so used to it all hinges on the one game at the end of the year and we're only going to get one team in. And I said, no, both teams are comfortably in. I think Timberlake is still comfortably in no matter what happens. Yeah in that regular season finale next week with Bonner's Ferry. And then Cal also mentioned, you know, hey, uh, last year for state baseball, I loved hearing you guys give Ryan a hard time about his prediction of Timberlake beating Bonner's Ferry. He had a lot of fun with that. So <laughs> shout out to Cal up there in uh, in Bonner's Ferry. But well, yeah. And I believe his kid's the starting either left or right tackle, I'm sure I remember. But yeah, his uh, Trey. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, that Bonner's Ferry team. I, I mean, I think that they're getting such a little credit. And they, they, I mean, they're, I want to say a mirror image of, of Lakeland's offense, but they're both very, very, very similar. Just ball control. They don't get behind the sticks. 
Um, they're able to, you know, get four or five yards on first down, puts them down second short. And like you said, Rice does a great job of commanding that offense. Um, you know, it's like the perfect position as a coach. It's like, don't make, don't put your quarterback in a position to do, have to do too much. And I think that the thing that also doesn't get seen a lot is that kid can kick and, you know, having a kicker, you know, especially late in the season and tight ball games, that does you some favors. And we saw him hit a field goal against Kellogg. And, uh, you know, if you're having that weapon in your hip pocket late in the game, if you're, you know, 25, 30 yards out, that that can be the difference in a ball game. Definitely. Um, so right now, if the playoffs started today, Bonners Ferry would get the three seed. The five district champs get the top five seeds overall. The top two seeds get a first round by Homedale is one. South Fremont is two. Uh, Bonners Ferry would be three, but they would play you know, the worst team that's in the 14th seed right now, that's Wood River, which is a four a 4A team masquerading as a three, a team. Uh, but I won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> um, but yes, Bonners Ferry and Timberlake both in uh, good positions still. Well, let's go back to that South Fremont team. We've seen them before this year. We saw them in the first game taking on Timberlake. Obviously that's game one out of the shoot. Um, I mean, and that was a very competitive game. And I think you look at that and I don't think I'd be, too scared if I was obviously, you know, Bonners Ferry to draw, you know, the same side as a South Fremont or something like that in the, in the playoffs. Um, I think that's a winnable game for the Badgers, especially the way they play offense. They play defense with offense too, and they play really good defense as well. So um, the Badgers, I think are a scary team. I definitely would not want to play them in the state playoffs, um, especially if it's an outside game, if it's, you know, kind of nasty weather, or cold or something like that, like we tend to see in North Idaho or other areas around the state. The Badgers are, are a sneaky team, in my opinion, because they play so soundly and they just don't turn the ball over very much. Um, they're a team I absolutely, as a coach, would scare the crap out of me. <laughs> yes, definitely. Um, okay, and le- and let's talk about, you know, on the other side of the coin now for Kellogg. You know, I think the the polish on the apple is starting to come off a little bit with this Kellogg team where they're now four and three. Now they've played a very challenging schedule, certainly. And they're still two and zero in the conference. They're still the favorites to, to win the league there. But, you know, I think there's kind of been a formula to beat Kellogg. It's control the ball, keep that offense off the field. And the Wildcats were plagued by, you know, they had some drop passes. They had some, you know, penalties have kind of been a problem for Kellogg at times this year. Um, I, you know, I still think Kellogg's very good. Um, but the shine has come off just a little bit, right? The crazy part is, is like, like I said, I've been doing stat, like looking at stats. Is that, you know, receiving Colby Luna's over a thousand yards receiving, um, you know, and then Varick Meredith has, I think, over four hundred or five hundred yards receiving. Um, you know, throwing the ball that <laughs> Ripley Luna's thrown for over, I think he's thrown for two thousand yards this year already, um, or clo- if he's not there, he's close to it. Uh, his total offense, I think, is over two two thousand yards on the year already. Um, but it's you know what happened? Like, how do you get shut out with that kind of offense? Right. You know, and that's that's the part. It's like it's it's feast or famine. And you know, it's I look at it as a, if they're gonna be no huddle, fast paced, you know, spread you out and chuck the ball. But if if you're not getting catches, or you're getting your catches within five yards of the line of scrimmage, and the other team can tackle really well, you know. You don't want to be a no huddle or a pass only team and be caught in third and seven a lot or third and six um, to where you're called what we are behind the sticks. Um, and post it happens to post fall sometimes. I would equate it to kind of that view is that if you're going to run no huddle or run a quick offense, you better be able to back it up by playing really good defense. 
Um, and that's something I think that's been the Achilles. So we know that Kellogg can get takeaways on defense, but can they stop the long methodical running attack of teams that we tend to see kind of around North Idaho? And that's been the question mark. And I think they got exposed a little bit by Bonner's Ferry, who by their own right, Bonner's Ferry is really good. Um, but I think Kellogg's got a little bit of exposure. I think that, you know, might get exploited if they don't shore some things up. Yeah. And now, um, the second bid, there's two auto bids out of uh, District 2, and really that's what it's going to come down to, the the two auto bids, and that's it. St. Mary's took a big step with an 18-6 to win over Grangeville on Friday night. St. Mary's now finishes the year with Priest River and Orofino, and the Lumberjacks, yeah, you know, they've only got the one win against Grangeville last week, but they could play themselves, you know, by, by winning the games they should over these final two weeks. The Lumberjacks will be in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and, the, the, and that's a great – uh, opportunity for Coach Tuft with that crew because I know that there's been some, especially what we saw the last couple of years with, you know, COVID going in and out of the program and kind of wreaking havoc. He had some forfeits and, um, you know, a bright spot for the team to build on. I think that, you know, they've got a, a good set of kids there that have continued to just show up um, week in and week out. And, and it'd be a great reward for that team to make the playoffs. Um, you know, and then one thing at three or two A, I wanted to give a shout out was was Matthias McLean from Priest River having an absolutely insane season. He should be an All State player. Um, if he's not getting enough attention, I want to bring some attention to him because he's got almost eighty tackles on the year so far. He's got an interception, and then offensively, he's been their unit. He plays tight end. He plays running back. He comes in and plays Wildcat quarterback. Um, he's been basically the entire team for the Spartans, and he's just having a, a fantastic senior season and uh, capped it off with getting a uh, scholarship offer and um, committing to the Vandals. So that's a good pickup for for Coach Eck at, at Idaho, getting Matias McLean from Priest River. Coach Eck's doing a great job with the Vandals. We could we could talk about Vandal football uh, for some time here on, on the prep cast. Um, yes, big shout-out to Matias McLean. He's had a great season. Uh, okay, eight-man, we'll, we'll go very quickly through this. Big story here is White Pine League's only going to get three teams into the playoffs, and that is a shame because there's like, Five that <laughs> probably d- deserve to be there. Cameo Driscoll alone needs to be in the playoffs because that kid is a machine from Logos. <laughs> I, you know, short of Logos running the table, um, I just I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. And even no, then, I know. you know, Logos finishes with Troy and Prairie. I, you know, Logos would need games. help. Yeah, two winnable games. Yeah, you know, you know, but that at that point, Logos would need help. You know, they would need Potlatch mm-hmm. or Clearwater Valley or somebody else to lose. Basically, Cami eyes in, right? They're five and zero in league, six and one overall. Clearwater Valley, wow, what a win over Potlatch last Thursday night. Uh, kind of like the Lakeland game. Potlatch goes down on their opening drive and scores. They get nada the rest of the way. The yeah, Rams said goose egg down the stretch. <laughs> enough of that. Um, they're they're comfortably in second place, four and one. Uh, in the league, five and two overall. Prairie at the moment is still in third. They and Potlatch are tied with three and two league records. Um, Prairie got that 56-52 win over Potlatch earlier in the season. So right now the loggers would be out. Lapway beat Prairie last week, though, and now Lapway is in the position where they can play themselves into the playoffs. Yeah. They fin- they finish Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. They 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 play Potlatch on Friday night. If Lapway wins that game, they all of a sudden vault into third place in the league standings. Mm-hmm. And and that that Lapway team is peaking at the right time. Terrell Ellenwood Jones is playing out of his mind. Um I think he had like 197 yards rushing and threw for like another 140. Um 
you know, and Elias year out has been showing up and Matt, I mean that, that Lapway team is starting to peak at the right time. I think it took them time kind of warming up a little bit to fit, find their identity and um, they're finding their playmakers. That's for dang sure. Yeah. So uh, what a shame that uh, only three teams are going to get in. There's just no way in the max preps ratings, you know, a lighthouse Christian team that's one in five um, because of the league they play in no. they're, they get boosted and yeah, they, I just yeah, don't see a way that sad because you've got like such great playmakers in the white pine league. I mean, each team's got somebody like you can even throw out like Angus Jordan's having a monster season when he's healthy and like from Genesee and there's, I mean, every team's got somebody and I, you know, it's been competitive as all get on. It's a shame that somebody's going to get left at home. Cause I look like I said, Jack Driscoll's numbers are insane. Like they are like video game numbers that he's had on the season so far. The, the signal caller for Logos. Yeah. It's been crazy. One AD two. There's nothing to talk about. Kendrick, uh, played another else. Washington school. You know, uh, I quit I in the second quarter. That team quit in the second quarter. Yeah. You know, this happened earlier. They played Wilbur, Wilbur Creston, Carol yeah. Keller. Yeah. Uh, they called it off in the third quarter. This game didn't even get to halftime. You know, Kendrick, from what I read, the Lewiston Tribune did a very nice job of kind of summarizing what happened here. But uh, Lane Clemenhagen, uh, Clemenhagen, who's who's a dude, <laughs> was yeah. was making some some pretty big hits and all legal. Um, yeah. But it's one of those things where uh, they the parents were concerned about player safety. Um, I think the perception from the Washington school, uh, and I'm trying to remember what the name of the team was. I'm not as well versed on my Liberty Bell, I believe. Yeah, Liberty Bell. Um, The bell got rung a couple of times for Liberty Bell. And there was a crack in it. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Dad joke. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I think the parents thought that Kendrick was like cheap shotting. They wore it. It was all clean football, but it's just. Kendrick is way ahead of Liberty Bell, but they're they're having to play these Washington teams now. They're playing this week, uh, Tacoa Roselia. Am Tico I getting that right? Roselia. Yeah, Tico Roselia. Okay, they're they're supposed to play them this week, and you're like, why is why is Kendrick playing all these Washington schools? They have league games. I believe Timberline forfeited against Kendrick. I I didn't double check that, but they were supposed to play Timberline last week and didn't, and now. You know, they put that Kendrick is still playing Deary in the regular season finale, but Timberline is nowhere on Kendrick's schedule. So yeah. I have to assume they forfeited that game. They're like, nope, we want no part of that. T- Timberline is going to play Lewis County next Friday in a game that will decide the second bid to the playoffs. That's a closer game now because Ty Hambly, Lewis County's stud quarterback, is is hurt. Um, and so yeah. Lewis County barely gets a win last week over Deary. That's going to be fascinating. But for Kendrick now, there, you know, there's rumblings of this game against tico roselia may yeah. not happen either nope nobody wants to play kendrick right now i feel really bad for coach zane hobart because he's got a good team it's kind of like the sandpoint thing but oh, nobody a, wants to play him yeah he's got a great team around him and that's you know i mean you look at ty cap and he hasn't played a full game since the oakley game um and he's got crazy numbers and then you look at on the back end like jagger hewitt and then in the secondary he's got you know, a monster season and up front, you know, I was talking to, to coach Greg Frisbee. He's one of their coordinators. He's one of the assistant coaches with, with coach Hobart. And I was like, so who's your best lineman? And he's like, it's like, it's really hard. It's like picking your favorite child. Cause they're, they're good. But he's like, I really do have to give a shout out. He's like, he said like Dallas Morgan, like the junior, he's like, he's a, he would play at the five, a level. 
He's like, and he would start at the five A level. He's that good, uh, technique wise and size wise. I mean, I think he's like six three or six four, two fifty. Just a big kid. He's just a you know bulldozer. You know, you wonder why they can run the ball so effectively and do what they want. Well, look at that offensive front. They're they're. I mean, what they've got. They're all over two hundred pounds and they can move dudes. So Kendrick, uh, I don't know if they're going to get challenged really down the stretch. I don't. I don't see it coming even in the playoffs. Um, I mean, stranger things happen in eight man football, but gosh, that, that tiger team is so stinking good and they're going to be good for a couple more years. Yeah. It's going to be really uh, fun to watch them once they get to the playoffs and can put all this regular season uh, nonsense behind them, but uh, we will wait and see. And okay. We went super long on the podcast this week, but we got a lot to talk about. So yeah, I'm really sorry about that, Ryan. Um, (laughs) I'm glad we started early. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Things will get less chaotic. I mean, we're at this confluence where all the fall sports are still going and um, slowly it's kind of like Survivor, right? We're going to vote. We voted golf off the island. They're gone. Swimming's next. And then then soccer. Get out of here. Yeah, until there's one, you know, person left, uh, which is football. So we'll, we'll get who gets there. the rose at the end. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> bachelor. Right. Um, so yes, uh, we will end it there. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and hanging with us extra long today. There was a lot to cover, and as always, IdahoSports.com is going to have way more info than we could possibly talk about here, so just check the website every day. New stuff popping up all the time. Um, Ryan, enjoy your game on Friday night. Should be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Okay, well, uh, thanks for tuning in to the North Idaho PrepCast, everybody. We'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.